Welcome to the Serious Leisure podcast. My name is Petya Petrova and I'm the host of this podcast. You are about to listen to the very first episode we recorded. This was live at the University of the West of England in Bristol and it was recorded in November 2020. This is how this podcast began. This is what our thinking was at the time, and this is what we tried to achieve. So for those of you who have listened before, you are about to uncover our origins. For those of you who are about to start their first Serious Leisure podcast, listen, this is the right place. This is where it all started. We do hope that you enjoy, obviously like and subscribe. And we hope that this makes you think about how you balance leisure work and well-being in your life and reflect on the challenges, the trials, tribulations and successes. And we hope that this inspires you to rethink, if rethink is needed, about how you balance leisure work and well-being or to just give you a new insight to reflect on the place of leisure in your life. Enjoy. So thank you for joining us this Friday afternoon. I know everybody is very busy and thank you for making uh, the time uh, for, for, for being part of this event. I'm really excited to welcome you to this. This is something we haven't quite done before. Um, and it will be really interesting to, um, to see how, how this goes. This event is about stories, it's about fun, and it's about communities. And so if you allow me, I will start with a story of how we all came to be here. Uh, and it will be very brief. In April this year, during lockdown, um, as we were all sitting at home and trying to absorb what's happening, I was thinking about um, the, the trauma we were all suffering in different ways, emotional, physical. We were all asking ourselves some existen existential questions. And I was reflecting on when I had experienced uh, physical and emotional tra trauma as a result of sudden illness. Um, and I knew that I was very lucky that soon after I was able to find a hobby, an interest, a new community, and that was instrumental in my physical and mental recovery. Um, in this case, and quite unlike my character, this was improvised theater. Um, so I got to wondering how we can learn and be inspired from each other um, and by the interesting, impressive and quirky um, and surprising pursuits uh, that we are all finding. I was also well aware that for me, it took a major life event for um, an emergency surgery to not only find an interest outside of work, but also to allow myself the time to engage with it, to allow myself the time for leisure and for self-care and for rest. Um, so only after illness into my 40s, I was able to put aside time for looking after myself and finding joy and fe feeling that that's something that is legitimate. Um, so I decided that I'll try to do something with this idea. I didn't know what, so I reached out to a few colleagues in well-being 
Um, and I had numerous chats with Kat Branch, who I'm very grateful for joining us today. Um, Kat is the leader of UE's Bristol Centre for Music. Um, and our conversations led us to thinking about sharing stories for fun, leisure communities. And we thought this is a great idea. But we also thought what might be very interesting is to frame this concept around the concept of serious leisure. Um, this is a field of social science research, and we thought that would give us a language to talk about leisure pursuits, an evidence base to learn from and see how our stories and anecdotes are reflected on it or not. I had a very broad awareness of the concepts. Um, Kat had engaged with serious leisure through her, throughout her professional uh, life. But we just needed an expert. We had to find an expert who is thoroughly and fully versed in, in this topic. Um, so an expert to join us in this endeavor. Um, I have for a long time ago a serious um, a background in um, tourism studies. So I reached in some colleagues um, from the leisure field. Um, and in doing so, I realized that Sam, with whom I've worked with over 10 years ago, has since written a book um, on this very topic with Professor Stebbins, who is the founding father, really, of um, the serious um, leisure field of research. Um, I spoke to Sam and I was extremely grateful that he not only agreed to engage with this, but he was instrumental in a lot of our pre-meetings from today. He's joining us today from University of and he's very excited um, about our conversation today. So, as I said, this will be in conversation. Um, I, and, and we'll start with um, Sam and Kat engaging in conversation with each other. In the meantime, you're all welcome to use the chat to share your thoughts, your ideas, to pose any questions. And once we have finished with the segment where Kat and Sam engage in conversation, we'll all engage in conversation together. Can I just get a general thumbs up that we're all happy and understanding what's happening today? You can also put thumbs up in the chat if your camera is off. Um, Savannah, I assume that was a thumbs up as opposed to question. Yes, it was. <laughs> so I found the thumbs up uh, emoji now. Thank you. Excellent. Oh, um, and I need to mention that um, there's a sound of bubbles in the background. And that is because um, Kat has an aquarium in the background. Um, so we haven't put any um, relaxing total <laughs> tunes in the background. That's just <laughs> what the bubbling is about. So if you're wondering what, what that is. Um, so sound uh, and Kat, uh, welcome, <laughs> welcome to, to, to this afternoon. We had discussions about where we start um, this conversation today, but I just wondered how you felt about doing this today, this week. I know you were very excited in anticipation, but with everything that's currently happening, how do you feel today spending an hour talking about leisure? Do you mind if I go first, Sam? Absolutely, Kat, crack on. It's, it's funny, it's kind of an irony because I have found this week 
uh, one of the most challenging since the pandemic started in all honesty and have um, felt a huge amount of pressure and uh, yesterday morning I was looking at this slot and thinking it's just something else I've got to do and um, and uh, feeling quite stressed and it's it's ironic really because actually as I as I processed what was happening and remembered actually the conversations that Petty and I had had and uh, some of the really brilliant chats that Sam and I had had while we were preparing for these sessions, which actually I found really energizing and interesting and, and really fun. Um, I realized that this wasn't going to be a burden. This was going to be actually a really enjoyable time, uh, which is a, really in many ways for me, a microcosm of what the ledger discussion is and about how we position what we're doing and um, how, we, how we label it and how we see it. So it's been an interesting week and I, and, and I landed in a place of really looking forward to this time and, and seeing it in many ways as an expansion of, of my own leisure activities. So. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, <laughs> I think I think we share the fact that this week's been pretty stressful. I mean, again, very. I, I would probably couch it in terms of I've had a very reactionary week this week, so I've been fighting fires as I no doubt everybody has. Um, it's, it's interesting to hear you say that, you, you know, you, you're looking at this time that we're spending together today and you've been looking forward to it. Um, and I think it is just making that time, isn't it? Uh, I mean, I, I've, it's interesting, my, my role at Teesside is, is a central learning and teaching role. Um, but I spend most of my time you know, outside of all the strategic work and the managerial stuff, uh, all the boring stuff over there. You know, uh, most of my time is spent talking with staff, coaching staff, if you like. Um, and very often we we end up, you know, I, I, I think purposefully, probably on my part because of my background and um, we'll, which we'll probably get into, is I try and we try and have a contextualised conversation. And it's been a really, really interesting time over the last seven or eight months to be talking to staff. And, and obviously everybody's working kind of like this and like this, aren't they, in terms of six inches in front of their faces and just kind of reacting and living day, day to day. Um, and I've certainly felt my role not just this week, but over the last months, has been one of trying to create, um, an, well, provide, I guess, a, a bit of perspective on things and and to to bring conversations to not just the work they have to do, but, you know, in the context of, well, what else does that, you know, what else do you want to be doing, you know, in the context of the broader, their broader, broader lives, I guess, in terms of lifestyle. And the lifestyle has been a real interesting topic for conversation. Everybody's feeling overworked and stressed and all of that kind of stuff, but trying to bring some perspective. Um, and I felt that, you know, I, 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 as all of us no doubt have been doing, but, you know, I've struggled over the last, you know, seven or eight months to, to juggle the work life kind of equation uh, through a time of pandemic and, and lockdown. And um, it's interesting, I was reading something, um, I think it was yesterday, uh, on uh, it was one of the higher education websites I, I was just perusing as I do in my spare time um, or not um, and it was this idea of what's transpired is this this concept of work-life merge um, and, and you know for example I finish work today I turn around and the only disconnect I have between my place of work and my 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 house my place of living is a door you know and it's whereas ordinarily i'd have a 45 minute commute and all that so that the fact that we're not able to to detach to create distance 
um, the, the merging of that has, has been a real challenge. And I think that that's certainly come out. It comes out naturally in people's conversations at work. Um, so I, I think this event, I mean, when uh, Petty first reached out, I was, I was uh, obviously very excited. I mean, an opportunity to talk about serious leisure at any point, I think, is a, is a good one. Um, so, and as you're going to realise today, Kat and myself can certainly talk about serious leisure. Um, but I think it's a timely one. Uh, and, I, and I think that for, for, for two reasons, really. Firstly, I think in a time of disruption, I think we need to be reminded but also, uh, you know, in terms of what matters most to us. And really, that's the point here. For me, that's that's my in for this conversation is, and if there's any takeaway from today, it's, you know, it's a question from me to you. And, and that is, you know, what does matter most in this, in this balance of work and life? Um, you know, what role for leisure in that for you? Uh, and, I, and I think, you know, we've all struggled with that. I, I take uh, health and fitness very seriously. I'm also very, very routinized in my work. So to have disruption at the level that we've we've experienced over the last uh, seven or eight months has been a, a step change for me, having to find pockets of time as opposed to being able to craft, you know, big chunks of time perhaps for myself. And obviously the homeschooling of two small boys has been interesting as well. Um, so I, I think for me, this is a timely conversation. I'm excited to, ha to have this conversation, but I was just talking to Kat prior to, to starting how you know we've been leisure studies as a as an area of work and research which we'll get into has been around for 40 years um and actually over that time that the amount of theorizing that's gone on obviously it's shifted in, and changed with the times but i really feel quite strongly that a lot of that theorizing is coming to fruition now in terms of providing a mirror and a lens to broader work-life balance and challenges so hopefully we can bring a bit of that to, to bear on the conversation today. So yeah, really, really timely, really excited to be here. Um, and I do think, you know, as a concept and as a vehicle, some you know, these types of conversation um, really does have legs in my mind, you know, in terms of it just being, in, it's important to craft time to have the conversation about ourselves, but also more importantly, share those experiences with others. Brilliant. Petia, you're on mute, I think. We had a conversation about in around the vein of what um, you both were talking about, that this is both the best and the worst time to be talking about leisure. It's it's the best time because it's actually even more important that we, we seriously consider that and obviously the worst time for all, all that you both outlined. But we also talked about the language of leisure um, that how sometimes we there there is almost negative connotation or there's guilt attached to talking about leisure uh, and we had long discussions about um, and, and I'm sure colleagues who've chosen to attend today would have made this would have made such considerations would have thought about how they talk to others about attending this event or with, if they've chosen to share that they're, they're attending today and they've put aside time to talk about leisure. So I was just wondering if we can start unpacking and, 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 and digging into some of the concepts about leisure and some of the difficulties of the language of leisure that can also be an impediment to us being open about engaging with leisure and, and talking about our leisure pursuits. Yes, because I think it's interesting because I, I feel one of the main barriers we all face uh, making 
making time to do things that aren't that aren't work and that aren't other obligations, aren't other things that we must do, or that our our, our family commitments oblige us to do, is that we feel somehow that those activities aren't aren't important and so they they're supposedly in this leftover time or this surplus time but then most of us would feel that that surplus time is a fiction right so then you do actually have to carve out a line for that activity and commit to doing it right and i and i don't know how anyone else has found this experience um, especially during the pandemic where as sam was describing your kind of exit from your workplace is a step through a door in my case it's literally nothing i have to work from my dining room with my lovely fish um and this is also where all my musical instruments reside and also where i do all my producing and creative work and it's interesting that being here and having to work here means that i've found it very hard to create here um i've hardly played the piano at all um it's been quite difficult and in my mind a lot of that has been about thinking yeah but i've just got so much work to do and when i'm in this space now i uh feel that i must be working i must be working because there's so much to do so i'm hoping we're going to talk uh, a little bit about what this notion of serious leisure means what is that wording about um uh to try to put some legs on the ideas that on the idea that leisure actually is important enough for us to set aside time for it because this is a kind of mantra i have to repeat to myself um when i feel exhausted and burning out and i'm not making that time is uh believing that in fact it's essential and it's okay it's not i'm not skiving off work i'm not doing a bad job um i'm not letting the family down by taking time to do something else um and so hopefully talking about why we might use the language of serious leisure uh, might help us all mm. justify those decisions and get over some of those psychological barriers yeah no really really interesting point i, I mean i yeah i agree wholeheartedly uh with what you're saying in terms of if we look at the you know specifically the discourses around leisure the, the language that's used you've got the you know you've got the mainstream you know uh leisure discourse which you know is inherently interconnected with ideas of consumption and you know mass leisure you know tourism is an extension of that better as you know and um and a lot of this what's really interesting about that whole kind of conversation is that there's so much of leisure that is just taken for granted you know, so that there's a take, taken for grantedness to leisure, the leisure experience, um, and I think, and a mindlessness to that as well. You know, it's and it's so interconnected with work, consumption, productivity, um, all of these different ideas. Um, but you know, and, and Kat's already mentioned here about you know this this idea of what's left over. So, you know, I was noting some thoughts down last night and just looking at reminding myself of some of the kind of leisure theory on which to hang this broader conversation you know and there's there's a couple of main areas you know in terms of the, the discourse the first one is that you know the residual nature of leisure it's what's left over when we've we've completed all our work and obligated uh activities you know um so wednesday night i had football training twice because both boys had training at one after the other you know that meant I, we didn't really get back until this was the last time before lockdown by the way so we absolutely made the most of it um but we didn't get in until 7 p.m i was working from 7 30 a.m you know and then all of a sudden you know the day's gone you know and it's that residual nature um there's also the personal enrichment side of leisure you know so people pursuing certain leisure pursuits because it enriches uh, you know their own 
sense of self and identity and you know, we'll get into the idea of mastery no doubt you know in terms of being able to for example play a musical instrument and uh, and whatnot uh, but there's also a voluntary nature to that Kat mentioned the, the idea of choice choice is, is is central to the idea of leisure you know it's un, uh, Bob Stebbins calls it uncoerced you know the the idea is there's a sense of agency in leisure and that is the sense of agency on the point of where I choose to take this activity forward uh, I do so in the time that I've crafted for myself um, but also you know leisure is inherently interconnected also with how we see ourselves so there's a sense of identity in that as well yeah, and, and you can hear it in how Kat's talking about you know the, the role music plays in her life it's also an extension of her work life as well so the 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 the, the lines are blurred and they become blurred in this modern or postmodern if you like conception of of leisure that we live in today um you know it's it, there's no easy divide it's not an either or it's not on a spectrum in any way uh, it's part and it's choice but it's a choice it's a lifestyle choice um and that's why it's such a messy concept it's so very difficult to to nail down because we all live life differently although we might be consuming leisure in similar ways it has different roles to play in our lives and it really then boils down to it's a value proposition isn't it what's the value of leisure um so i, I you know just to sketch over some of the language there in terms of the way different ways that we can look at um you know this idea of leisure yeah on that sam i was thinking it might be helpful um for anyone who's in the session who's not familiar with stebbins's work and or even the expression serious leisure frankly um whether it might be quite helpful um, for us to just briefly lay out um, the, what the what the proposition is in terms of the differences between serious leisure and casual leisure, because uh, at, a, at, a, at an outside view, you could take the impression that serious leisure is like real leisure that matters and has value, and casual leisure is some crappy leisure that doesn't matter, like Netflix or having a cigarette break, you know. But actually, I think Stebbins is quite careful to avoid that kind of um, false valuing. Um, even though these are quite different categories. Do you think maybe you could just sum up for everybody what what, what we mean by these two things? Yeah, so, well, yeah, no problem. It's only taken 50 books and hundreds of articles to unpack <laughs> this, but I'll, I'll have a go. Two sentences, Sam. Or <laughs> In two sentences, you've got no chance. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I implore everybody to, to have a read of it. It doesn't have to be the book that you know, Bob and I wrote to get together, but it's it's there's a... There's some, it's quite an accessible term and accessible framework, which I think is the allure uh, of the of, of serious the idea of serious leisure in the first place. It's got its critics, but um, what it does do, it gives us a framework and a, a series of lenses and mirrors to look at our, our daily lives, and we can all see ourselves in it, which I think is one of the one of the great attractions. So, the serious leisure perspective is actually a broader umbrella term. For what are what there are three uh, component parts to it from a serious angle. You also got its counterpart, which is casual leisure. Now it would be very easy for us to sit here and go right. Well, le leisure, and this is the, this is one of the criticisms. Leisure is either or, right? You know, you're either casual or you're taking it seriously. Well, it's not quite that um, quite that simple. You know, otherwise we'd have a very clear idea of what leisure is and we wouldn't be having this conversation at all. Quite. Um, well, I mean, so, I think normally our journeys are, are a bit of a mishmash, aren't they? Well, they are. And, and I think that, and that's, that's Bob's point. Bob's point is it's, it is, it's a package deal here. 
you know, it's not an either or. It's a, this is lived out individually for people. Uh, so the serious leisure, I mean, uh, in terms of serious leisure, Bob couches this in terms of serious pursuits. So there's a whole, there's a different, um, there's a different makeup depending on on what activities you're doing. But the serious leisure are those pursuits that tend to take are undertaken in your in your leisure time. So those uncoerced activities in you know you know, you feel unobligated in terms of time, but it's a choice that you take to pursue this. But you do so in a serious manner, and the the seriousness of leisure in this perspective is around you know the the application of time the the perseverance over time as well and the development of certain skills and knowledge attached to certain roles and activities so a good example uh, there's three main areas within that so you've got uh, amateur pursuits you've got hobbyists and you've got volunteer pursuits and I think if we were all looking at our own leisure we could probably see ourselves in at least one of those things um, so I'll take cat as a perfect living breathing example here of you know there's an amateur but also a professional and this is the this is really interesting where the 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 interrelationship comes in you know the amateur you are amateur because there are professional counterparts so the reason why the concept is in existence at all is because you've got that professional counterpart so amateur theater amateur music amateur you can you get the idea the hobbyist is you know uh, those people that do craft time, but tend to craft time for activities which are, I mean, it might even be craft. Crafting, for example, is a perfect example of a hobbyist activity. There's also some health and fitness in there as well. And the voluntaries, uh, as you might imagine, you know, there's there's serious volunteers. And I, I put into this category those people that maybe uh, volunteer through clubs um, and volunteer through, so I've, I've, in my own research, we looked at voluntary sports coaches, for example, you know, those people that give up inordinate amounts of time to activities that they, it's an extension perhaps of a professional interest, but actually it's done in their own free time. And again, it's an uncoerced, unobligated time. So you've got those three areas within the serious pursuits category of, of the serious leisure perspective. That then correlates with uh, a, a second, and that's the, uh, the project-based leisure. Um, and project-based leisure is those short-term, one-off or occasional um, activities or undertakings that people do. The, a, a really great example that I love about this is um, that's been given is wedding planning, right? So you might employ somebody to wedding plan for you, in which case that's not, but you might do this yourself or you might bring in a family member and a family member might offer to do that. So this idea of project-based leisure is another aspect of that. And then we come to the casual forms of leisure. Um, now, when the term was first developed, there was two seminal conceptual statements written by Bob. The first one was serious leisure and the second was, was casual leisure. And unfortunately, what that set up was this dichotomy and it's anything but, but those, the casual leisure, it, you know, to give you an example, would be the like watching television, watching Netflix, those short term, pleasurable, even hedonistic experiences that we all seek um, as maybe an escape for, you know, other, other aspects of life, uh, but don't necessarily lead to the longer term engagement and rewards that serious leisure does. 
Um, so in serious leisure, we tend to craft a what's known as a leisure career. You know, so we end up going on a bit of a trajectory of mastery, skills development, knowledge on and through those particular pursuits. In casual leisure, we just don't have that. It's short term, short lived, but there is a pleasurable component to it. So that's all that coming together and that hanging together under the umbrella of the serious leisure perspective. And, and what it is, it's a mirror and a lens to our work life leisure balance um, and Bob actually suggests that there is such a thing as an optimal leisure lifestyle um, and that is not a universal or pervasive thing it's something we all work out for ourselves and as Kat rightly points out it's a mix and probably a messy mix at that and it doesn't stand still but we're all constantly trying to find this mix that works best for us. And you throw a, a global pandemic and the, that magnitude of disruption in there, it becomes quite an interesting thing to think about. So I, Kat, I don't know if you want to expand on any of that. Yeah, I think uh, for me, I just what I wanted to pick up on for um, just thinking about um, people who are with us today is that, that it still can be a little tricky, I think, with some of the some of the language. I don't know how some of you felt listening to Sam speaking there, but um, it, it's quite difficult trying to um, quantify the types of leisure activity that we do and to and to understand them in these terms. Um, Stebbins description of the sort of uh, of that serious leisure amateur that is a sort of aspiring professional someone looking at what a professional is doing but uh, you know we're, we're stuck with the fact that that is slightly slightly loaded in our culture isn't it and so we think we're kind of basically saying that we're not very good at what we do um is, is where we end up with or um uh even though actually understanding what we're talking about a kind of a, a professional aspiration approach to what we're doing is on the other hand, a quite helpful concept. Um, and the same as we might think by calling the time that we're making for crafting a hobbyist accidentally again diminishes it. This again is a, is a problem within our culture, okay. not within Sevens' theories, where we'll then say, oh, well, it's a hobby, so I don't really want to make time for that. But in fact, it's just a way of understanding the different behaviours that we do. Um, what I think it's helpful for us to, uh, to touch on would be the recognised benefits of mm. these kinds of activities so whether it is that casual leisure type activity which is much more about that instant pleasure moment and the kind of getting a relief and you know this is includes social media toxic though it is it's those those kinds of things but it's not necessarily all, all, all mad many of us start the kind of more serious leisure pursuits with a bit of casual leisure right mm -hmm. go to sing along in a choir for a bit and then eventually start to develop your singing skills mm -hmm. um but um, I think it'd be helpful to talk about why we should even bother, you know, what is the what is the evidence that this is giving us any benefit and, and, and why we should be trying to prioritise it. Um, yeah, so really, again, this is, I mean, the, the challenge of studying leisure as a, as, a, as a concept, again, is that it's, depending on how you're looking at it, I mean, we were talking before we went live about, you know, the different ways that leisure has been studied, you know, and if you were to come at it from, um, what would be, I guess, a European or a UK centric perspective, it tends to be more social, cultural and, and critical theory. So contextualizing that within, you know, state and its relationship and all that kind of stuff. In uh, in the North America you know, and, and South America, you're talking about it's, it captures leisure science. It's very individualistic. And there you've got things like self-actualization and, uh, and, and all those different types of concepts. So the benefits 
are many and varied, but you know, in terms of what's been researched and what's been focused on through the lens of leisure, uh, serious leisure, you know, um, there, there's a number of personal and social benefits that have been shown. Um, so self-actualization is in there. So realizing your own potential uh, and all different potential uh, through different leisure pursuits. And Kat's absolutely right when she says that casual leisure can be a hook to more serious forms of leisure. Yeah. So I, I encourage everybody for, for, that's listening now, or that hopefully I've turned off already, uh, listening now, and to think about your own leisure and how you got involved in it. How you, you know, that, that those, the more serious types of leisure, perhaps that you've been, you're maybe not so involved right now, but those those in, that you've been involved and maybe in the past will continue to be involved in now. How did you start out? How did you start out in that pursuit, that in that particular leisure pursuit? You know, and if it's consist, if you've um, persevered over time, and you go back again and again and again to that to that leisure activity, to that pursuit, then is a good chance that that casual hook, you know, you, I'll, I just, you know, it was just something to do or a friend invited me down or I just wanted to do different something. And then you go, actually, no, this is really interesting. Oh, hold on a minute. I'm, I'm actually quite good at this. Oh, right. Okay. I, and, I, and I like the environment and the community and the sense of belonging. And uh, and all of a sudden, sorry, I'm seeing Petty and not there. It's probably aligning with what you're doing in terms of your, your improvisational work. Um, I've certainly found that in some of the different uh, activities that I've pursued over the years, you know, how we end up pursuing different forms of leisure is different for all of us, but there is, there's a certain trajectory there, which tends to start out as a on, on a, on a casual level level, but we tend to see certain benefits play out, whether that be, you know, like the actualization of our potential that maybe we did or didn't know, um, or, you know, the self-fulfillment of goals that we set ourselves. And on the social side, you've got that sense of attachment and belonging. You know, these serious pursuits tend to have their own social worlds and ethos. Um, and that's something we buy into and they become extensions of our own identity, um, which is really quite interesting. So just in all of that, if, you know, if we took a moment to think about our own leisure and go, okay, how did I start there? Why, why have I, and more importantly, why am I still doing it? Mm. You know, and I think that's a, that's a really interesting conversation to have with ourselves. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I think also because motivation ebbs and flows, doesn't it? Yeah. I know um, at the, you know, working at the Centre for Music, it's very interesting watching people's motivation patterns ebb and flow. And uh, there'll be periods where uh, we may see students and staff having a real surge in their commitment and their time and satisfaction. And then uh, when there isn't enough energy to bring that, more serious leisure approach people either fade away completely or just drop in for a casual whatever interestingly the more communal activities have much less ebb and flow because of those structures you were talking about and so when we're doing those when we when we're doing those leisure activities with other people and so we have a we have an identity with a certain choir or the orchestra or the jazz band and you're then you're then this meaning making going on with what you're doing with those individuals um, and also because on my side, the, all the general interesting areas of health research about group music making um, and the effects on uh, social cohesion, um, that those actually are much more sustainable. From my perspective, this has been the major disruption to important mm -hmm. leisure activity from the pandemic. And I don't know how anyone else has found this whose leisure activity has a strong social element, but ripping that context away is, is very painful and in many ways can really pull the rug out from mm. what has been a very meaningful 
series leisure commitment because you can't connect. I don't know, Petty, you're doing, you know, doing impro theatre. How do you do that if you can't see people face to face? How do you get the chemistry going? It's quite difficult. <laughs> But this is actually a good point to kind of get us uh, all, all in, but uh, just to answer the question, I spend a lot of time doing Zoom improv, um, but also the community um, and the kind of the friendships and the WhatsApp groups and the conversations um, have kind of really helped me to survive lockdown and the isolation of working and living from, from home. Um, so, so we we were lucky. Although it took me a good three months to start enjoying doing improv on Zoom, um, but it, it, it needed some perseverance. And it was interesting that some 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 of the the kind of the wider community some stuck to it and some some just couldn't quite transition into into that mm -hmm. environment. I, and I wonder how others would. Um, I think this is a really good time to bring everybody on on board into this conversation and how others have experienced. Um, those of you who have leisure pursuits, do you think this is leisure? Do you have any, uh, this is serious leisure? Do you have any questions you would like to pose to Kat and Sam? Just, just people really are just thinking the as surface. well. Pardon? Just people are thinking about that. I mean, just something that occurred to me just now as, as Kat and yourself were talking, uh, something that we haven't got onto, but I, I have spent quite a bit of time writing about and researching, is this idea of the attachment of certain activities to different types of space. Um, so the, the disruption, the disconnect, the rip, the rupture of the, uh, you know, the social attachment to people, yes, but most leisure activities are, particularly the serious uh, pursuits, are attached to certain physical spaces. Yeah, yeah, to geography, right? Yeah, well, exactly, yeah. So, <laughs> but, but through our activities, through our, the work that we do, using the term work, the work that we do in that space with others and building those connections and developing ourselves and attaching ourselves to those to those spaces they become places meaningful spaces for meaningful activities and i think that for me has been one of the most difficult things to navigate over the the past seven years we all we all recognize immediately the absence of the social yeah that's that's immediately kind of felt it's a felt thing with social beings but over time, for me personally, the the absence of designated place that I've built a sense of self and expertise within, you know, in terms of the health and fitness realm and playing team sports and all these different kinds of things. So I think it's really, really, it's really, it is a complex uh, of different of different um, tensions in there. So I just wonder whether thinking about this as people are thinking about their own think to be thinking about the spaces and places in which they engage in in the leisure that, that they do is something and just another way of looking at things yeah yeah and I'd, I'd be interested to know how people are approaching that even in the micro at home when I was talking about the difficulties of my dining room which is also my music room becoming now also my workspace uh, that experience has polluted the ability of this space to be my creative space mm -hmm. um, because uh, it was a kind of sacred space and it was set aside. But because this is the best internet place <laughs> in yeah. my house, yeah. here I work. Um, and I find it, it very, very difficult to uh, experience that kind of going into my creative closet that has been the, the rest of my life as a musician. You know, so I'm, try I'm trying some different approaches where I'm trying to make little corners in my home where I would never work and planting instruments there. Mm -hmm. um, 
but it's 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 a bizarre and difficult process and i'd be interested to know how mm. other people in the session are approaching that when you're stuck in your home or if you right. can't even get to your spaces so let's let's get a bit of a of a feeling where where people are at um so we have a text from um um it couple of chats uh, sorry a couple of comments from Helga and Heather in in the in, in the comments box um, so Helga talks about she uh, agrees with the importance of place I struggle with the overlap of using technology all day at work and then doing some zoom choir rehearsals sometimes it feels like work um, and, and that constant obviously engagement with um, with the screen and then Heather talks about um, uh, she started serious solo travel um, and then um, obviously traveling has been a, a huge important part of her, her her identity and the way she spent leisure um, and that's been um, and the, wow. the, the, well, Heather, you are being the cinema you were cycles Heather you cycled to Bitten for four nights it's <laughs> amazing yeah, uh, yeah yeah it was that important to get away <laughs> And I could get there and back in one night, you know, there was no problem with transport. I didn't have to get on a bus or a train. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, do you know, it's interesting, Sam and I haven't really touched on the um, on the aspect of escapism yeah. associated with leisure. We have, we didn't get a chance to talk about that today particularly, um, but I feel that is very pertinent, especially for working people. You know, so, yeah. so much of what we're doing, I think it's why we often end up with casual leather, leisure, not always the healthiest casual leisure choices, you know, because we're so desperate to escape. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think the escapism, I think it's certainly stark reality right now, isn't it? Given what's going on, obviously we're in lockdown again and, you know, the, the need to escape, you know, it, we have a very narrow set of options really, don't we? Do you know what, what really does strike me in the conversation though is how, uh, and just the way that Kat's been talking and the way you can hear in the, in, the, in the text there, is I feel that maybe what we're having to be is a little bit more creative in how we think about, you know, and really on, in that decision-making process, we're having to be creative because we feel that this is important to us. So, you know, it's that what matters most conversation I meant, uh, mentioned at the start. And if it does matter most to us, we will find ways of crafting time and space in order to pursue it. Probably not in the ways that we would obviously prefer or like, but what's going to be interesting is that what are those leisure pursuits that we continue post-pandemic and um, what do they look like yeah so what what have we shed in terms of our leisure pursuits what have we maintained over the course of the lockdown you know how have they developed and changed these are all really really interesting conversations we're all feeling the same tensions but we're all coping and adapting in slightly different ways has your leisure been your coping strategy is another interesting thing to think about so I, I hear in what Heather's writing there is an absolute resounding yes you know the fact you know it has been a, it has been a coping strategy to get away physically distance yourself from you know your place of work which happens to be where you live and to be somewhere different a different place but doing something you you're passionate about it's really interesting has anybody else found been able to do that been able to use their ledger to escape during this time in, in an effective way It always takes a couple of seconds for colleagues to write. You don't have to write in the chat. You can just, just switch unmute. your audio or your, your video on, depending on uh, whether you're happy to your contribution to be captured. Um, 
I find it interesting. Um, Laura, would you like to come in? Yeah, I was just going to say absolutely. Although for me, my hobbies have been fairly unaffected by the pandemic because I sew and I knit and stuff. It's quite solo anyway, and at, but there's an enormous sewing community on Instagram. And the number of comments I've seen from people saying this has really got me through because all other aspects of my life have changed, but I've still got my sewing and I've still got the sewing community. But I'm lucky because I've got a separate room to work and a separate room to sew. And so I can completely understand that if you've got a conflict between the uses of the space you occupy, that would be really difficult. Mm -hmm. So I, I totally get that. But yes, yes, it has been for me. So it's really interesting. They're the core activity there is, that's what Bob, Bob Stebbins talks about, is every serious leisure pursuit. And I would certainly class um, what you're talking about there, Laura, as, as a serious pursuit. You know, quilting's been captured in the in the hobbyist uh, category of serious leisure, for example, and uh, as a sewing. But, you know, the core activity there is something that, you you know, you've built a, a repertoire around. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, just for me, just in that, you know, that whole thing about space, there's there's other activities, for example, which require different types of spaces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gives that sense of escape, doesn't it? I, interestingly, it's only in the pandemic, the first time in four years, I started running again. Uh, I'm sort of a very cliche musician in that way, and I hate sports, generally speaking. <laughs> Much love and respect, Sam. It's just because I'm very unfit. Um, but uh, the situation drove me to it because I couldn't find any I solace love. in my music. <laughs> Uh, so I, I was just going to tell you a really, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah, good. Um, I was just going to tell you a funny little anecdote because um, my office is in my, my son's bedroom upstairs and there was a particular Saturday morning probably where um, I'd had a really hard week. I was quite stressed out. I was still tired and grumpy. And for some reason, I was downstairs with the whole family. They were being noisy. I just wanted some peace and quiet. So my partner says, just go upstairs. And I literally burst into tears because I, I can't go upstairs. I work upstairs. This is the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I need to have space down here. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, the whole finding the, the finding how the space works for everybody, is, is that's been a bit of a challenge. Mm. And we're being creative. We're finding new ways to do things, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's, really, it's really interesting. I mean, I, an anecdote for me. So me going for a run, me working, I, I, I do that outside, right, in any weather. I'll take my gear outside or I'll do it in the garden or whatever. And I'll do that quite religiously. Uh, what happened over lockdown was my two boys are uh, eight and five. The eight-year-old's quite active, as you, all eight-year-old boys are. Um, and he started to ask whether he could come and work out with me. And I was like, well... Firstly, I was like, no, absolutely not. This is my sacred space. But then obviously they weren't getting a lot of exercise during lockdown. So I thought, so we ended up, you know, he cycled while I ran or he came for a run with me. And unfortunately, that completely destroyed my confidence because my eight-year-old outran me, but that's neither here nor there. But it was it's really interesting how, you know, what we found, or certainly what I found is the familial space has kind of, seeped into that kind of personal leisure space mm -hmm. and again the divide there is is, is become blurred you know so this, out of necessity obviously but yeah yeah 
there, we've only scratched the sur surface. There's so much to unpack, particularly in the current day and age. And as Sam alluded to, this has been such an important but also complex concept um, anyhow. So the way we're going to do this in the future two episodes we have scheduled is we're going to have colleagues like yourselves coming and just sharing their experiences with engaging with serious leisure. Um, their uh, their motivation, their career trajectories within the leisure, uh, their leisure identities, um, their communities, but also how um, that has how COVID has impacted um, them. So we have three colleagues coming who are currently engaged with Center for Music uh, during our next podcast. Um, and for our third podcast, we're looking for volunteers of colleagues who would like to just share um, share with us their experiences. So the way the podcast two and, and three would work is we're going to start with your story, with your experiences. Um, you might get a few questions from Kat and Sam to really try to unpack your experience. And we're going to continue to have this, this community and shared conversation about how we have adapted um, and the drawbacks from COVID, but there are also some benefits. Um, so in, in my case, my community have expanded beyond Bristol because we have been on Zoom and expanded into, into uh, for example, women who would normally have childcare responsibility who would have not found time for um, for this, have now found time for this. So, so there's this with everything else, there's drawbacks and there are also opportunities. And we're going to explore these um, um, over the next uh, three months. Um, I think this is all. Thank you, everyone. Feel free to stay in chat if you have them a few minutes or to put a comment in, in the chat. Um, and um, I look forward to seeing you in a month's time.